Live from the palatial yet not overly ostentatious studios of CBS Sports Radio here in beautiful New York City, sitting on top of the 10th floor, 345 Hudson Street. Welcome on in to a Wednesday edition of the Zach Gelb Show across all of our great local CBS Sports Radio affiliates, Sirius XM, Channel 158, the free Odyssey app, and of course, streaming on YouTube. 855-212-4CBS, number to jump on in, 855 212 4227. You could always get at me on Instagram where I'm straight flexing or via the good old cesspool of Twitter at Zach Gelb. That's Z A C H G E L B. Got Carlos with a K, Carlos Ortiz, and also Moist Mike standing by. We're rocking and rolling all the way up until 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Damon Heward, former Washington Huskies quarterback, is going to stop by 20 minutes from now. He will preview Washington and Texas, one of the semifinal games. Coming up on Monday, and uh, we will have Jared Gordon, UFC fighter, has an incredible story today. He's eight years sober. He's going to stop by at the top of the hour, and then the final hour of the show, former Broncos wide receiver Brandon Stokely will join us. And let's start with the Denver Broncos today. You know, we were just having this conversation yesterday about the future of Russell Wilson and Sean Payton together in Denver. And I laid it out this way. They are a couple that just got married. They should be in the honeymoon phase, but instead of being in the honeymoon phase early on in their marriage, they are in couples therapy. And when you are in the first year of a marriage and not even a full year, and you're already having problems and in couples therapy, we all knew there was going to be a divorce. We all knew there was going to be an expiration date. But as I said yesterday, and this is where I was wrong, I thought it would come at the end of next season, not this season, let alone not today. But today is the beginning of the end of what has been a short but disastrous tenure for Russell Wilson with the Denver Broncos. And don't get me wrong. He was brutal. He was putrid. He was lethargic last year. This year, he improved where I wouldn't say he's elite. I wouldn't say he's great, but he was a solid NFL quarterback this year. And if it's based off play, when a team is 7-8 and eight with a roster that, quite frankly, I don't love, I don't think the benching from a talent standpoint and a production standpoint is deserved. But we always know it's not about just what you do on the field. Off the field matters. Contract matters, and when you knew that Sean Payton wasn't the biggest fan of Russell Wilson, when James Palmer even told us from the NFL Network, and he's based in Denver last week, that I wouldn't say they love each other, but they have learned how to somewhat tolerate each other, we all knew where this was heading, and it was an eventual split. And when you read that his salary is already fully guaranteed for next year in 2024, but if he's still on the roster Come March, his salary gets fully guaranteed for 2025. Well, this benching, I believe, has more to do with finances than it does have to do with Russell Wilson no longer being able to play the quarterback position. Because let's say he gets hurt in these remaining two games and then he can't pass a physical in March. Well, then that salary for 2025 gets guaranteed and it gets it a more complicated way in order to move off from Russell Wilson. So it's kind of wild though, because there used to be a time when you would get an extension and he's not even operating on his extension yet. 
this is still part of the final two years that remained on his deal when he got traded from Seattle to Denver. But there used to be a time when I thought we all knew and understood dead cap. And when someone would get an extension, it would be nearly impossible to move off from him. But when you've seen throughout the years, teams eat an enormous amount of salary on Carson Wentz, on Jared Goff, and a few other quarterbacks, we have now found ways in pushing money down the road or other specific language that is in the contract where you could move on from a player, even though you're taking a huge financial hit, and people kind of look at it and go, oh, there's a way. All right, we'll travel down that road. And even though it seemed crazy heading into this season, not that they would split, but that it would like actually happen. Like the conversation was there coming off of last year. And eventually you knew Sean was going to win this quote unquote power struggle between Sean and Russ because Sean followed Russell Wilson and Russ was there with a coach that wasn't working out in Nathaniel Hackett. Sean still doesn't like Russell Wilson, but he improved him this year and Russ couldn't have as bad of a season as he did a year ago. So when you like factor in all those things, it was okay. We have a problem. We don't like each other. You're not a good fit for me. I'm not a good fit for you. So instead of just kicking the can down the road, let's just bite the bullet and it will shoot us in the foot financially for a year or two, whatever. And we believe Sean's going to be the guy that's going to continue to run this team. Now, here's the thing. Let me just say this about Sean Payton. We all know, phenomenal coach, won a Super Bowl in New Orleans, turned the Aints into the Saints, right? It's, I don't understand why he's the coach of this team. I really don't. This was a guy that last year, when he was on Fox, he practically begged over and over and over again for the Chargers job to open up because he wanted the Chargers job with Justin Herbert. And even after Brandon Staley choked a 27-point lead in a playoff game, the Chargers, because they're cheap, the Chargers, because they're stupid, the Chargers, because they're idiotic, were like, oh, we just made the playoffs. So even though we had one of the more embarrassing defeats of all time in the postseason, and everyone knows that Brandon Staley is not the guy, we're going to kick the can down the road another year. And look where we are now. The Chargers are open, and if we shot Sean Payton up with truth serum, I would assume if I asked him, hey, where would you want to be coaching right now? Would it rather be the Chargers or the Broncos? He would say the Chargers. So that's also the other part of this. It's the addiction to coaching, but also the impatience of Sean Payton. Because in all likelihood, like they should give another go at this with Russell Wilson for next year, even though I'm not a believer in it. But you took that job for a reason. You had to believe in Russell Wilson in a little bit. And now we sit here and we knew this relationship had flaws, but it was clear you never believed in him from the start. So if you're going to a place that already gave up a ton of assets to get you and to get the quarterback, and they committed a lot of money to this quarterback, why would you take a job just for the sake of taking a job? And I know people could say, well, he's getting highly compensated. Like, I I understand that. But Sean could have got highly compensated from Fox, could have kicked his feet up for another year, relaxed, stress-free, and say what you want about Sean Payton. He isn't a dummy. 
And he would have been the lead candidate for this Chargers job, the job that he wanted all along. And this is not revisionist history. This is not a hot take in the moment. I never loved the fit. We all know he's a good coach, but I never loved him taking that Broncos job because I never loved the position the Broncos were in. So now what? You give Sean probably two or three years to fix this thing because this year, now what does it mean? Like, I don't like this move right now. I get it from the financial standpoint, but you are seven and eight. You're not mathematically eliminated yet. This has been a crazy year. I don't trust Jared Stidham to go get you two wins, even though you're going up against the Chargers and the Raiders. Like, Russ plays. I know it has gotten away from the last two weeks where they lose to the Lions, they lose to the Patriots. But if he plays, like, Russell Wilson could have got two victories against the Chargers and Raiders. And if that's the case, then you get to nine wins, and who knows how this is going to shake out in the AFC. So this is not, the way that I'll say this, is I don't buy when the Broncos say today that this is performance-based. I'm not telling you Russ is great. I'm not telling you Russ is elite. But this is more so Sean doesn't like Russ. Sean wants to move off of Russ. And they need to pull him now and sit him down and make him the backup quarterback. Sit him gets hurt. We're not seeing Russell Wilson. I'll tell you that. I don't even know if they have a backup on the roster after that. But this is all because of the finances. That's what this is. They are making this a financial decision rather than a performance decision. And let's say I'm a player in the Broncos locker room. I'm heated because there's no way you could tell me that Jared Stidham gives you a better chance to win than Russell Wilson. I don't even think that highly of Russell Wilson anymore. And even I'm saying that. So now I think we get into another fascinating conversation with this. And I'll just ask this question. Where does Russell Wilson play next? Because you can't be that naive to think, oh, Russ will be back in the team next year. Like, I don't get how anyone, after seeing the news today, and after they have benched Russell Wilson, says, oh, yeah, maybe Russ will be back with Denver next year. No, they are telling you today, by making this move, regardless if they say it's performance-based or not, they don't believe in Russell Wilson. Sean Payton does not think Russell Wilson is a good quarterback. But when he inevitably gets released, remember how much money Denver owes him. I'm sure he doesn't have, he'll have some interest but he's not going to be as attractive as he was a few years ago because the last two years were ugly. And I could see Russell Wilson taking a team-friendly deal on a short-term basis somewhere else. And the first two destinations that I thought of that let me put myself in the shoes of Russell Wilson and I say, who are the most intriguing destinations out there that have a good roster, a good team, and they could use an upgrade at the quarterback position. Number one were the Atlanta Falcons. You have Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, Drake London. You're in a bad division. And if that team just had a competent quarterback, and Russ could still be competent. He's not elite anymore. He's not even very good anymore. But he showed you this year he could still be competent regardless of what the Broncos are telling you this year. The Falcons had Russell Wilson this year. They win the, the NFC South they would be in the playoffs. So I would think on a cheap deal, and I don't know if they're going to be able to get Justin Fields. I don't know if they're going to be able to draft a quarterback. I think that's a match that could work on a short basis, and Arthur Smith is going to be coaching for his job next season. I don't even know if he'll be the coach next season. 
but you need someone to carry the baton for the next year or two before you find your guy. The other team, what about the Pittsburgh Steelers? The Steelers have two wide receivers that are probably on the verge of killing each other with George Pickens and Deontay Johnson because they have no quarterback play. Heck, Mason Rudolph just played well, and now he's replacing uh, Kenny Pickett, who was a first-round pick just two draft classes ago. You have a defense that's got a ton of talent if they could stay healthy, and you also have Jalen Warren and Najee Harris running the football. Mike Tomlin is starting to lose some of the fan base in Pittsburgh, even though they'll finish above 500 most likely, and they could make the playoffs. But he hasn't won a playoff game since the 2016 season. He needs a quarterback. And I don't think Russ is a long-term answer, but Russell Wilson, for a year or two, could still be effective in this league. Those are the two teams that need a quarterback, and for Russ, they would be great landing spots. The Atlanta Falcons and also the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that leads us to our poll question today. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. You can chime in on the phones or on social media at Zach Gelb at CBS Sports Radio. Russell Wilson's next team will be the, here are the options. Commanders, Raiders, Falcons, Steelers. Commanders need a quarterback. They're going to have a new coach. I would probably guess that they'll go a younger route. That's why I don't think it's the Commanders. The Raiders, we'll see how they'll jump through hula hoops like every other team to get out of this Jimmy G deal. Uh, Antonio Pierce, I would like to think he's going to be the coach next year. I don't know, though. But the Raiders could be an option. You bring in someone that Devontae Adams could trust and maybe not re- uh, uh, request a trade this offseason. And then the other two, as we just explained, the Falcons and the Steelers. The early, early returns, 32% say the Commanders. But is uh, Dan Snyder still running this team? That would be a very Dan Snyder-like move. 26.6% say the Falcons, 21.1% say the Raiders, and 20.3% say the Pittsburgh Steelers. Carlos with a K, look into your crystal ball real quickly. Give me a clairvoyant Carlos prediction. Russell Wilson will be quarterbacking whom next year? Commanders. That was Alrighty. my first thought. Moist Mike, what are you rocking and rolling with? Where is Russell Wilson playing quarterback next year? See, for Russ, you have to take into consideration all the other factors you know, with his wife and their their, uh, non-football-related ventures and things like that. So they need to be somewhere where they can do that. Atlanta would make sense. Vegas would make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that he can stay in the AFC West. I think Atlanta probably makes the most sense. For some reason, Tennessee, the Titans always seem to come out of nowhere to, like, be in name. And I guess they could. Yeah, but they have Will Levis now. So I, I don't think that's going to be Do the Do they really the trust him, Will Levis? I don't know. I mean, maybe. maybe I, I would do. much rather rock and roll with Will Levis and just see what you have than Russ, where you know he's on the, the downside of his career. Yeah, so I think especially if these – I think these are the four best options. I think it's either D.C. or Atlanta because I'm looking more at the city than the mm-hmm. team. So I'm going to go Falcons. I Selfishly, think. I would love to see him go to the Raiders because I think staying in the division creates a good storyline. I don't think it will be the Raiders. I don't think it's going to be the Commanders. I don't know if the Steelers will move off of Kenny Pickett this quickly, even though they benched him for this weekend or stick with Mason Rudolph. Uh, but Atlanta, I think, would be the best for both parties because I don't think Atlanta is going to be in a position to get the guy in the draft. Let's say the Bears don't trade Justin Fields. Then it's like, where do you go? And if you bring back Arthur Smith, you can't be going back to Taylor Ham Heineke and Desmond Ritter this year 
And Russ would be in a better situation in Atlanta than he was this year with the Denver Broncos because I like their offensive roster more than I do with Denver. All righty, we'll take a break here on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. We'll be back in five minutes when we do return. We're inching closer and closer to the semifinal of the college football playoff. You know, on one side, you got Michigan going up against Alabama. And on the other, you have one of my favorite teams in the country, the Washington Huskies going up against the Texas Longhorns. Damon Heward, former Huskies quarterback, will join us when we return in five minutes on the Zach Gelb Show. But where else? CBS Sports Radio. All righty, we continue. This is Zach Gelb Show, coast to coast on CBS Sports Radio, inching closer and closer to the college football playoff semifinal games. We'll see who advances to the national championship game between Alabama and Michigan and also Washington and Texas. Can't wait for New Year's Day. And let's go out to the guest line right now. Welcome in former NFL quarterback, played with the Pats, the Chiefs, a few other spots, and uh, obviously started his career as a college quarterback with the Washington Huskies, and that's Damon Heward, kind enough to join us right now. Damon, I know it's been a while. Appreciate the time as always. How you been? I'm great, Zach. Are you kidding me? It's Christmas time, New Year's Eve, and the dogs are in the college football playoff. Life is good, man. Let me start you off actually with the NFL, and then we'll get to your college squad. We were just talking about it right before we brought you in The big news today is that Russell Wilson got benched. It looks like they're going to move on from him after the end of the season. What was your reaction when you saw that news today? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, You know, obviously he did so many amazing things here in in Seattle for the Seahawks for so long. Um, You know, a heck of a player. Uh, But boy, this this transition to Denver just uh, uh, has been horrible. I mean, it just hasn't worked. and I think for guys later in their career, I mean, I know these guys play forever now, but he's in his mid thirties and, you know, maybe not quite as dynamic athletically as he was, you know, 12 years ago or so, but um, you know, still all that money Denver gave him uh, all the first round picks the Seahawks got uh, in return uh, looked like, looks like a pretty good move the Hawks made. And for Denver, I mean, this is going to put them behind the eight ball you know, probably for another year, especially if they got to eat $37 million if they let him go. And that, uh, boy, it's uh, it's going to be tough sledding. But you know what? Maybe this is one of these things where let's, let's see how, you know, Sean Payton's old school, you know, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick. Maybe it's one of these things. Oh, let's see how Russell reacts to maybe me putting him on the bench here and see what I got in, in Trevor Simeon. And, you know, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe he's back out there next week. I mean, I've seen stranger things in this league. So, um, you know, we're probably not putting the, the, the cart before the horse here because odds are the writing on the wall, like he's probably gone. But who knows? Again, with these old school coaches. Yeah, and we could only observe right with what we see. And sometimes what we yeah. see, if it looks like it's bad, it's usually worse behind the scenes. I equated right. this to a couple that just got married. And already they're in couples therapy. And when you're three, four months into a marriage and you're already in couples therapy, it feels like the divorce is inevitable. And that pretty much is what what played out today, I would say. Yeah. You know, something just, you know, Russ's numbers are pretty good. I mean, I don't have them in front of me or whatnot. But yeah, he's played better this year, Damon. There's no question about it. The bottom line, though, is just it's always about wins and losses. And, you know, if Sean feels he can't do you know, what he wants to do schematically with a quarterback, uh, with Russell Wilson's style, you know, it just, to your point, the divorce is probably not far down the road. 
All right, you were around Bill Belichick for a long time. Can you envision the Patriots without Bill Belichick? Because that's also another thing that a lot of people have been floating out this year, a potential divorce with Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. Yeah, man, I just, gosh, darn, I, you know, there's only a few of these guys left from my playing <laughs> days 15 years ago. Obviously, you know, it's been a, a rough uh, stretch for me watching pro football without Tom Brady this season and to imagine the National Football League without the greatest coach of all time, potentially next year uh, in Bill Belichick. Boy, uh, the times they are a changing. But uh, yeah, um, that doesn't look like it's probably going to end, end well either this season. Uh, just kind of two back-to-back tough seasons uh, in this league. Usually, you know, owners, front offices make changes. That's a tough one to make because, uh, you know, he's been the greatest of all time. And um, going to be super strange if uh, he's not roaming those those New England sidelines with his cutoff hoodie and all the fun stuff that he's brought to the National Football League for you know what now almost at least almost two decades. Uh, yeah, but you know maybe Bill surfaces somewhere else, which you know I, I, I certainly hope would happen should he leave New England. But um, but who knows with that one? But uh, Bill was awesome to play for arguably his record, his uh, accolades speak for themselves. And uh, I think the NFL will, will lose a big character. Uh, should be the, this be the end uh, of Bill Belichick? Yeah, I would think even if they move on, he, he winds up somewhere else. I was talking about maybe the Chargers because he needs more talent and they have a ton of talent with that young quarterback in Justin Herbert. Uh, Damon Heward here with us. Before we talk about uh, Washington and their big college football playoff game against Texas. I just want to wrap up the, the NFL part of this chat, uh, talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. We all know Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, but he doesn't really have a lot of weapons to throw the football to this year. And even when he places the ball perfectly, nine times out of 10, it feels like they drop him. Uh, I know that when you look at Kansas City, there's always that fear of them because of Andy Reid and because of Patrick Mahomes and because of Travis Kelsey. But it looks like this team's going to come up short this year from from what I've seen through the first 15, 16 weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, you kind of are what you are, you know, by this time of year. Although there have been those teams that just, you know, once they get to the playoffs, they're, they're, they're peaking at the at the right point and they kind of take their, their game to the next level and make a, a deep playoff run or win a Super Bowl like the 2001 Patriots did. But, yeah, what you see, the eye test right now certainly – isn't great for the chiefs, but you know, I promise you everybody else in the AFC, should they have to meet them in the playoffs? You know, if they are a lower seed, it's, it's the last team they're going to want to play with all that playoff experience and super bowl runs and, and just Patrick Mahomes. But uh, yeah, maybe the Taylor Swift distraction is real. <laughs> Obviously Eric the enemy, you know, moving on, uh, you know, maybe there's something, something there. But, yeah, certainly you kind of hit the nail on the head with just kind of those pieces on offense, those weapons. They just don't seem to be making the same plays uh, for Mahomes and company that uh, they have in years past. But uh, certainly will be an interesting story to follow here down the stretch of the season and into the playoffs. Damon Heward here with us. All righty, let's get to Washington. I love Kalen DeBoer. He's one of my favorite coaches in the country. The guy barely loses from all the stops that he makes. Uh, what, this is his second year with Washington. He's only had two losses, less than eight points in both of those losses. But it still feels like 
Washington doesn't get the respect that they deserve. Like going up against Oregon, Damon, they were a nine and a half point underdog. And now they're a four or five point underdog against Texas. I guess this is where Washington loves to have them, but it's amazing how everyone else hasn't given them the respect in what's been a sensational season. Yeah, you know, and I think it starts with the, the Pac-12 conference and well, what once was the Pac-12 conference. Uh, you know, just not quite the same respect for West Coast football in recent years. Uh, certainly uh, being up here in South Alaska and Seattle, <laughs> we uh, are a long ways away from the East Coast and uh, the SEC and the Big Ten. But yeah, this team has had a historic run uh, since Kalen DeBoer has, has taken over. Uh, 24 and two. Are you kidding me? And, you know, certainly going into this uh, Sugar Bowl here on New Year's Day and five short days, you know, to be underdogs, um, you know, against, uh, I think, pretty good Texas team. But, you know, this this Husky team handled them a year ago in the Alamo Bowl. And I know there's a few, they, they had a few missing players that day, notably, you know, Robinson, their running back. But, you know, this team just finds a way to win. And, you know, the Pac-12 championship game, if you saw it, you know, they really were at full strength. Um, you know, both of our safeties were back. Thule, our defensive lineman, uh, who had been battling a knee all year, was at full strength finally. And then the addition of Jalen McMillan, who's really missed the last, you know, six, seven, eight games. You know, he's that speed receiver over the top. You saw him make some big plays. So I think, you know, they're healthy. Uh, they're peaking at the right time. They did have a stretch where the offense had some struggles. But I think what really gives this team a chance to win it all is the evolution of the running game that has come down the stretch here uh, with Dylan Johnson, our running back. Uh, you know, I think people around the country think of Michael Penix and the fireworks and throwing for 400 yards a game. He did lead the league or lead the nation in passing around 340 yards a game this season. But now with the run game and having that balance, I think you need to have as you get into the CFP, you know, these guys do have a legitimate chance uh, to win this whole thing. And so it's going to be an awesome matchup down there in Texas. A lot of great storylines with Sarkeesian, our old coach, coaching the Longhorns and Pete Kwiatkowski, their D coordinator here, who was our D coordinator uh, during the peak uh, uh, Chris Peterson era. So a lot of fun storylines. These teams know each other. Well, they prepared for a month to play each other last winter. And we get to do it all over again in New Orleans on uh, January 1st. It's going to be an awesome game. What jumps out to you with both these quarterbacks? Quinn Ewers uh, has had a really good season. His problem has been staying healthy with injuries the last two years. And we know uh, what the deal was with Michael Penix Jr. at Indiana. He just wasn't healthy. But, hey, he just finished uh, runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. So give me your quarterback eye on both these QBs that we'll see coming up on January 1st. Yeah, you know, Quinn Ewers certainly a talent Um you know, last year, really his first year playing, saw him live there in, in the Alamo Bowl and, you know, wonderful arm and some playmakers around him, uh, solid player. And then, you know, you factor in Steve Sarkeesian, one of the best game planners, play callers in the country. You know, they've kind of taken it to the next level uh, offensively this year. Uh, and certainly when he's healthy, you know, they've been pretty doggone good. You know, going into Tuscaloosa, that win early in the season, I think, you um, you know, what a statement that was uh, for the young quarterback and and really the program. Um, so, yeah, he, he's, he's better. He's going to be a solid uh, opponent for this Husky defense for sure. But, you know, uh, obviously I'm biased. If I had to choose between the two quarterbacks, I'm going to go with the six-year senior quarterback, Michael Penix, who, 
you know, has led the nation in, in passing the last two seasons. And just to me, his accuracy, his anticipation, the deep ball that he throws, um, I, he, he's, he's different. And uh, he's been the catalyst here uh, to make this thing go for this Husky offense and led him to the 24-2 record, the Heisman Trophy run, and all those things. So, um, you know, uh, Michael Penix, special player, going to play on Sundays. And uh, again, I like I like his experience, his leadership, and and his skill set a, a little bit better than yours uh, going into this game. If I'm being honest, and, and you know, the last thing I'll I'll bring up with this uh, matchup, Damon Hewitt, who joins us right now. So before the Oregon game, you just saw how jacked up that Washington team was, and there's big emotions before a big Pac-12 championship game like that, and they really took it to Oregon early. I still I know that. Texas played Alabama really well, but that was all the way going back to week two. I think what we saw in the Pac-12 championship game, when you don't know how a team is going to respond after a a, a month off and with the emotions of this game, that's why I kind of believe that Washington gets off to that better start, and that could end up being the difference towards the end of the game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the start of this game is super important, as it was in the Pac-12 championship. You know, the Huskies, they only got a field goal on that opening drive, but they chewed up eight minutes of the clock. You know, and then they got a th- quick three and out versus Oregon, who hadn't been stopped in six weeks. So, yeah, they kind of set the tone early in that game. So I think the beginning of the Sugar Bowl is going to be, a, you know, a, a big determining factor in how the rest of the game goes. I also just like the experience and the age and the depth of this Washington football team. You know, we got 10 six-year seniors. Yeah, Nine of them have actually been here all six years. They've been here all six years. Then you bring Michael Penix, you know, as a six-year guy. So there's just all this, you know, professionalism, uh, age, depth, experience. And, you know, I talked about that running game, but also this Husky defense. You know, they've gotten a lot better down the stretch. They have, and they've been clutch when they've had to. They've gotten the tough fourth down stop. When we were really struggling on offense in a game earlier in the season against Arizona State, we get the pick six, you know, to win the game. So, you know, (laughs) excuse me, they're playing really, really well on defense right now. And, you know, Texas's struggles offensively on third down and in the red zone, I think are going to be the difference in the Huskies winning this football game. Damon Hewitt, always great to catch up with you. Appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, Zach. Happy New Year, buddy. You got it. You as well. There he is, Damon Hewitt, former Washington Huskies quarterback. Of course, Washington going up against Texas. And right now, I know it's only Wednesday. We'll make the official prediction on Friday. But I like Washington to beat Texas in a high-scoring affair. We'll continue to preview that matchup and also Michigan and Alabama coming up throughout the week right here on CBS Sports Radio. All righty, let's take a break. Jared Gordon, UFC fighter who has a crazy story to tell, um, is going to join us at the top of the hour. Brandon Stokely will stop by at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific as the Denver Broncos are benching. Russell Wilson, and they're probably going to move on from him at the end of the season. But first, not only do we have to get to a CBS Sports Radio update, but when we return, we'll do a little Take 5 Wednesday. I'll give you my top five teams in the NFL. Update time. What's up with everyone this week? Santa earlier in the week looked like he was uh, dressed to rob a bank. And now, I don't know, Pat Boyle looks like he's about to rob a bank or he's about to join a boy band. You decide if you're watching on YouTube.com. Uh, YouTube.com slash CBS Sports Radio with the latest CBS Sports Radio update. Here is Patty Boyle. It's called fashion. As the dust settles from last week's games, it's time to look at which teams are rising and which are falling. And there's an interception. 
interception. Zach ranks his top five NFL teams on this week's edition of Take 5, only on the Zach Gelb Show. All right, that's what I'm talking about. It's time to ask the pros where you, the listener, get to ask us a question, and it's brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Simply tweet your question at CBS Sports Radio or at Zach Gelb using the hashtag Ask the Pros. Be listening later in the show when we might answer your question. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low, 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 low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Alrighty, I'm going to do the same thing we did last week because I think the first two teams, you can't debate them. But then after that, to make out the top five spots, three, four, and five are very debatable. So in at the number one spot, the Baltimore Ravens. Last week, they were two. The team that was one was the San Francisco 49ers. Not only did Baltimore get a win up against the 49ers, they went to the Niners' house. They sat down on their couch. They used their uh, buffalo chicken dip. They, they drank their cervezas in the fridge. They cooked up some steaks as well, and they had a party, and they didn't pay for it at all. And that was just an ass-kicking by the Baltimore Ravens, who are a great, well-rounded team. The defense is awesome, and on offense, they're led by their leader. Their identity is Lamar Jackson. You look at the running back position, they lost J.K. Dobbins. They lost Keita Mitchell. No problem. You look at the wide receivers. Zay Flowers, solid young wide receiver. Odell Beckham Jr., not the same player he once was, but continues to get better and better as he gets more comfortable in Baltimore. Isaiah likely has turned into a good player, replacing Mark Andrews. And you also have two things that are very important. A great coach, and that's what John Harbaugh is. And also, a great kicker. And Justin Tucker is arguably the greatest kicker of all time. The Baltimore Ravens, number one. Number two, yes, it was embarrassing. Yes, it was disappointing. I thought this was going to be a heavyweight fight. Brock Purdy finally played a not-so-Purdy-looking game, and he threw four interceptions in the contest. They ended up getting five interceptions uh, with Sam Darnold uh, coming in as well and also picking up an INT. This 49ers team is still not deserving, though, of falling too many spots. They deserve to fall one spot. They did go through a three-week stretch where they were without Trent Williams, they were without Debo Samuel, and they lost three straight games. But for the most part, when this team is healthy, I don't want to say they're unbeatable because they just lost to the Ravens, but it's going to take all you got to beat them. And I would still say they're the best team in the NFC and the second best team in the NFL. So Ravens won, 49ers two. Surprise, surprise. Anyone could have told you that if you had a pulse and you watched about uh, one second of that game from last week and a few other seconds of the NFL season. Now, in at number three, I have moved up the Miami Dolphins. I still don't think the Dolphins are going to go farther than the Buffalo Bills, as I already had that ticket three weeks ago and the Bills to win the AFC a plus 1,000. But the Dolphins, my biggest gripe with them was in the bigger games, they have not played well. They lost to Kansas City. They lost to Philadelphia. They lost to Buffalo. All those games, though, were on the road. So they finally got a big game at home, and it was back and forth, back and forth between the uh, Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins. And just when Dak Prescott gets the ball in the end zone, Tua, Jeff Wilson Jr. and company, They matriculate the ball down the field. Jason Sanders had the game of his life. 
and he boots the game-winning field goal, and they emerge victorious. The Dolphins now have an enormous game this weekend in Baltimore up against the Baltimore Ravens, which is, like, crazy to me that that's a a 1 o'clock game. You would think that would be, like, 425 or maybe flex, but it didn't get moved at all. So this is another opportunity for the Miami Dolphins to shine, but they finally got off the schneid in terms of going up against good teams and losing. They get a victory. That means a lot. That elevates them into the number three spot because even though they probably won't have Jalen Waddle for the rest of the uh, regular season, they have so many explosive playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Devon Achan, uh, Raheem Mostert. Clearly, it all starts with Tyree Kill. And how about our guy, Alec Ingold? even get in a semi-hurdle into the game as well. And that defense is starting to figure out life without Jalen Phillips, who's an enormous piece for them. So the Dolphins in at three. Number four, I know it wasn't pretty. I know that you would have thought they probably would have covered the 12 and a half point spread before the game. They were in Los Angeles, Chargers coming off fire in their coach. They usually get a little lift there. Buffalo did not give a great performance, but a win is a win, and who cares about style points? They continue their win streak. They have Josh Allen, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and this is a year where quarterbacks have not been able to stay healthy. Josh Allen is not only one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best football players in the league. I like the momentum that Buffalo continues to show, even though it wasn't pretty last week. They'll beat the Pats, and then you could have the AFC East up for grabs. If Miami loses this weekend, that will be a win, and you win the AFC East for the Week 18 matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. So Buffalo in at number four. And then finally, number five. This was a tough one because I, I thought about a few teams. I ended up going, though, with the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions two weeks ago blew out the Denver Broncos. And then with their first division championship on the line since 1993, it looked like they were going to get into a dogfight. Then they started to pull away. And then it was, uh-oh, here comes Nick Mullins moving the football down the field. A crazy, what was it, fourth and 27, fourth and 28 conversion, whatever it was. We had third down. I forgot what the, uh, what the down and distance was, but it was a great catch by Justin Jefferson. And just when it looked like, uh-oh, here comes the same old Detroit line, just when you're in on them, then they fold and then they go back to who they've been for what, the last 20 years? They found a way to get an interception at the end and win the game. They win their first division title since 1993. The last time they won the division championship was the NFC Central. Now it's the NFC North. So I put the Detroit Lions in at number five, who will have a home playoff game. So the 49ers won, the, uh, excuse me, the Ravens won, the 49ers two, the Dolphins three, the Buffalo Bills four, and the Detroit Lions in at number five. Michael Santer, speak now or forever hold your peace. I love you, Zach, but you're just a prisoner of the moment. I understand that the Eagles have had their issues. Well, that's the segment. It's called Take 5 for the the teams how we currently rank them in the NFL from week to week. But what I'm saying is, like, week to week, if you're telling me right now that you don't have the Eagles as a top-five team defending NFC champions. And I've been their biggest proponent. And I know they've been struggling, but, like, every team goes through ups and downs. The Eagles, from top to bottom, on that roster, there's... Maybe no better roster outside of the 49ers. The Eagles need to be in that top five. But but you know what ruins a great roster? Bad team chemistry. You have Hassan Reddick annoyed with the coaching staff. Devontae Smith annoyed with the coaching staff. A.J. Brown annoyed with everyone. Articles coming out about Jalen Hurts and how they want more out of Jalen Hurts. I think there's a team chemistry problem right now with the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's why... 
I'm out on the Philadelphia Eagles for this week because that team chemistry problem is a concern. And it looks like Nick Sirianni is too much of a pushover rather than a respected NFL head coach. Who's the next team? Well, of course, I mean, I'm wearing red for my Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, I, listen, they didn't look great, but the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. They lost I, and listen, to the Raiders. I, I can't argue with you about mm-hmm. the Chiefs because you've had them off of this list And the for Chiefs a while are, are rubbing now, off on you, by the way. I saw you before the show. You dropped a cup of coffee. You look like Kadarius Tony dropping a football on the field. So I saw you dropping coffee right before the start of the show. Me? No. Yeah, I saw you in the newsroom. I drank my coffee. You all these cups like of not- coffee. You couldn't juggle them, and you dropped them all on the floor. I drank my coffee like nine hours ago. You you must have mistaken me for another short, hairy. No, I had my Connor Stallion's binoculars out. It was definitely you. But why is Kansas City not there? Because if they didn't have Patrick Mahomes, no one would be intimidated by this team. This offense is not good. These wide receivers couldn't catch a cold right now. And this is a Kansas City Chiefs team that they'll always be feared because of who the quarterback and the coach is, but they got to have it translate onto the field. And I'm just not seeing that success this year. And they already have six losses. And now we are into the final two weeks of the season. I just don't think they're going to be able to put it together. Last one. Who do we got? Well, I know you love this team and they're rolling with Joe Flacco, but yeah. I, I, mean, I guess the Brownies because they have double-digit wins, but like, do you really believe in the Browns? Come on. Yeah, I, I do. I actually believe in the Browns more than I believe in the Kansas City Chiefs right now because the Browns' defense is phenomenal, and Joe Flacco's playing really good football. And guess this. They have a wide receiver, crazy concept, by the name of Amari Cooper. He could actually catch the football, and he did so 11 times on Sunday for 265 yards. But... The reason why the Browns aren't in, yeah, they have 10 wins right now. And I got to see a little bit more from them. But they're right on the cusp. They're right on the precipice of jumping into the top five. So Ravens 1, 49ers 2, Dolphins 3, Bills 4, and the Lions 5. All right, he's at Gelb Show, CBS Sports Radio. Jared Gordon, UFC fighter. He will join us next when we return in five minutes. 